Amen. Thank you, Matt. Well, as Matt mentioned in his prayer yesterday, we were voted in to become an official church after nine years. It's about time to do that. So. <laughs> and so that's exciting. And so the meeting at, that's going to follow this service is where our members are going to have the chance to vote for their leaders for the first time and some other things like bylaws and really exciting stuff like that. But, um, but it will be a good time. Anybody can come to the meeting. Uh, those that are charter members are, are the ones that are going to be able to actually vote uh, for their leaders and everything else. So I wanted you to be aware of that. Let me start my message today with the image of a compass. Uh, compasses have had a good run in pop culture in the last few years. Uh, we just heard a song, the song Compass by Lady Antebellum as performed by Theater 3. Didn't they do a phenomenal job on that? This is a song that encourages us to let our hearts be our compass, and I think that's a really, I've seen them perform that live, and it was pretty awesome, and, but it's a great advice to a point, um, because we, if we follow our hearts, it can help us to do things like take a risk for love and some really good things, but sometimes our hearts can lead us astray, so if we're going to let our hearts be our compass, we'd better make sure to have the Word of God written on our heart, as Scripture says, so that that Word of God written on our hearts can be our compass. So it's come, the, a compass has come up in music. It's come up in cinema. Another way in pop culture a compass has come up is in the hands of Captain Jack Sparrow from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Yes, there, there it is. Jack's compass is unique. It's magical. It doesn't point just in one direction like, like other compasses do to the north. Instead, it points to whatever the person holding it wants the most in the world. And so there's times in the movies where it points to treasure or a person or the fountain of youth. But a lot of times it just spins round and round and round. And Jack protects it and he doesn't let anybody see it, but he's constantly consulting it, apparently because he doesn't have clarity on what he wants most in the world. So compasses are all over the place in our world today, and so we're going to use the image of this compass in this new series that we're starting today, and we're going to borrow a quote from Captain Jack Sparrow, and this is the quote, we have our heading. Now that we are chartered and now that we're voting in our leaders and everything else, I think that this is a good time for us to take a step back and say, what is our heading as a church? In what direction are we going? You know, nine years ago, Highlands Church was started on some principles. So, some principles that this church would be a church that de-church people would like to attend, that will be a place that invites people in just as they are, no perfect people allowed, a church that will innovate and go outside the box. It was these sorts of principles that led Highlands to do some pretty crazy things, like meet in a movie theater for the first three years of the existence of this church. And then when this building was constructed to make it feel like a theater and continue that, that sort of feel that, was, that you all had there before I was here. It led this church to do a flag football camp instead of a vacation Bible school to build a sledding hill on Vine Street so that kids could come and enjoy that, to do Easter at the fairgrounds. It led this church to give middle schoolers sledgehammers and let them just go to town on, on an old car in order to smash out hunger. 
So now as we charter after 109 months of existence as a church, we have a choice. Will we settle in, become a typical church, and focus on what we have? Or will we continue to do the mission that this church was founded upon? So you see, this is an important time to step back and ask, where are we heading? What is our heading as a church? What will our focus be moving forward? Well, first and foremost, our compass always needs to be pointed towards God in all that we do. And so that is our primary, our primary compass point. But as a church, this series is going to be about where is our compass pointing in terms of our ministry together? And today, I want you to know that your leadership is committed to not settle for ordinary or typical that this church is committed to living out in this new season to continue to reach the people that no one else is reaching. And yes, yeah. (laughs) Our compass has always pointed outward to the people of North County who've been turned off to church, who've had a bad experience with church, who, who don't even know that God loves them, and that is where it needs to continue to point. This is why we exist And we can't lose sight of that. But let me speak to those who are here and are saying, but I want to go deeper. I've been here a long time and I want to go deeper. There is this misconception that you can't go deeper while you are in an outward-focused church. But I want to tell you today that that is a lie. In fact, I believe that if we will live out our mission together more fully, it will help us all to go deeper in our relationship with God. That's going to be a theme that we talk about both in this series and in the one that follows it. So we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about in the weeks to come. But for today, I have a scripture reading for you, and it tells the story of two people who were set apart to reach the people that nobody else was reaching. The story begins in first century Antioch, and I want to read from Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 2. It says this, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so Saul, who we know better today as Paul because his name was changed, and Barnabas were set apart for a special ministry, and then they were sent out. We're going to put a map up here on the screen for you. They started in Antioch in Syria on the bottom right of the screen up there, and then they sailed for the island of Cyprus where they did ministry in a couple of different places, and they traveled across the island, and then they sailed north into modern-day Turkey, which was known as Asia Minor back then. They, la- they came to a place called Perga, and then they went north, right in the center of the screen, to a different Antioch, a place known as Pisidian Antioch. And we're going to pick up the story there in verse 42, after Paul and Barnabas have spoken in the synagogue. As Paul and Barnabas were going out... The people urged them to speak about these things again the next Sabbath. When the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who spoke to them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. 
But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. And blaspheming, they contradicted what was spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it, is necessary, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken first to you, since you reject it and judge yourselves to be unworthy of eternal life, we are now turning to the Gentiles, or those who are not Jews. For so the Lord God has commanded us, saying, I have set you to be a light to the Gentiles, so that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and praised the word of the Lord. And as many as had been destined for eternal life became believers. Thus the word of the Lord spread throughout the region. This is the word of God. And I love how this starts. Paul and Barnabas, they they go and they preach the word and then they come out and it's every preacher's dream. They say, your sermon was too short today. we, we want to hear more. You, you, you should have gone longer. Come back. St- talk more to us. Nobody said that to me yet today. I don't know what the deal is. But that's what they were saying to them. And they had this group of admirers who at first really received the message well. And these, these people, they were both Jews and they were people who were not Jews who had previously converted to Judaism and, and all of the practices that, that the Jews had. And so Paul and Barnabas started their ministry in this place by going to the people who already knew God. You see, by the time of Paul and Barnabas, there were Jews that were spread out throughout the world into all of the, of the major cities of the civilized world. The movement of, of Jews outside of the promised land began when the Assyrians attacked the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC, and people were taken off. And then it continued in 586 BC with the fall of Jerusalem and the subsequent exile in Babylon. And then it continued beyond even that when people sometimes voluntarily would leave the promised land to go to other places between the time of the writing of the Old Testament and the New. Historians call this the diaspora or diaspora. This is from a Greek word which means to scatter. And so Jews were scattered all throughout the civilized world. And so when Paul and Barnabas would come to a new place, they would go to the Jews living in that place and speak with them first. That was their practice. They did this in Pisidian Antioch. And as I said, they were greeted really warmly at first. But then the Jews got jealous. They said, there's way more people coming to listen to these guys than come to listen to us. And so they began to to spread all sorts of false teaching about these guys and to contradict what they were saying. They were jealous. They should have been excited, but instead they spoke against these men who had come to deliver God's word. And it was at that moment that Paul said something on behalf of both he and Barnabas that is a major statement in the book of Acts. He says this in Acts 13, 46. It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken first to you. And since you reject it and judge yourselves to be unworthy of eternal life, can you believe that he said that, how bold that is? It's a little passive aggressive maybe, and he, and he, but he was not afraid to just say it boldly like it is. Then he said this, we are now turning to the Gentiles, or we're now turning to the non-Jewish world. 
The book of Acts tells this story of a major shift in God's story. Up until now, God's story has been told largely through one nation, the the Jews, the Israelites. And up until this point, people had been grafted into the story or become a part of the story, but it always required them to take on all of the practices of the Jews, all the rites and all the festivals and everything that they did. But now, God was opening up a way to relate to him that did not require a conversion to Judaism. You see, God's plan had always involved the Gentiles. And Paul wanted to make this clear. And so he quoted a passage from the Old Testament, a really important passage in the book of Isaiah, part of the second servant song. And he says this, I have set you to be a light for the Gentiles so that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And so many see it. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that Old Testament prophecy, and now Paul is taking on that mission, the mission of Jesus Christ, to the Gentiles upon himself. And so it shows that God's salvation was never just for one nation alone. And Paul understood that. He knew that he was chosen to be a light to the Gentiles. From from the beginning of his calling, when Jesus met him and gave him this special task, he knew that it was his job to take good news to people outside the synagogue walls. But here, in Acts 13, we see that it's becoming his laser focus. Now, all of this is not to say that all Jews rejected the message of Christ. And it's not to say that there wasn't important ministry to be done among the Jews at this time. In fact, there, there was ministry happening among the Jews at the very same time. And Paul didn't abandon going to the synagogues in the places that he visited. Later, he goes to places like Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth and Ephesus, all places that now have New Testament books named after them. And when he went to those places... He went to the synagogues too. So don't mistake Paul's mission as a rejection of the Jews. That's not the message. The message is that God was opening up salvation to people outside of the Jewish faith, and he was setting Paul and Barnabas aside to deliver that good news for this special task. Well, what does all this have to do with Highlands Church? Well, we feel that God has set us apart for a special mission and ministry. Just like Paul and Barnabas, we are called to reach people outside of our walls. We're called to go to the people nobody else is reaching. They turned to the Gentiles and we turn to the de-churched. That doesn't mean that we don't minister to those who already know God. And as I said, throughout this series and the next, we're going to talk about how fulfilling this mission will actually help us go deeper, those who've been around for a while. But it does mean that we have a special calling as a church. Now, there are some differences between our ministry and that of Paul and Barnabas. The most notable difference is that they were itinerant. They would go from one place to the next. They'd, they'd come into a community, they would set up a church, they'd put leadership in place, and then they'd move on to the next place. Whereas we function much more like one of the churches that they established. We, we meet together centrally and then we go out from here in this one community. So there are some differences, but there are also some really important similarities too. For instance, 
Paul and Barnabas were called to minister to people who very often had negative stereotypes about their faith. The traditional understanding, the conventional picture of what Jews were considered to be like in the Gentile world at this time is that they were perceived to be arrogant and foolish, that they, were, they refused to work on the Sabbath, so people thought they were lazy. They had strict food laws, and so people thought that they were just weird. They had all sorts of restrictions, and, and they kept to themselves, and they didn't worship the gods of the culture. And so the, the writers in that day would actually poke fun of them. And the writers would say things that were deliberately offensive towards them. This created just some major barriers for Paul and Barnabas in their culture as they tried to share the good news that the God of the Jews cared about them too. Well, likewise, we have some barriers in our culture. I don't know if you know this, but um, Christians don't always get a great rap in our culture, in, in our world today. Maybe you do. In 2007, Dan Kimball released a book that's called They Like Jesus, But Not the Church. And in his book, he reported on a number, just years and years of conversations that he had had with young people and the phrases he kept hearing young people say as they critiqued the church. They said things like, the church is an organized religion with a political agenda. The church is judgmental and negative. The church is dominated by males and oppressive toward females. In the same year, David Kinneman from the Barna Research Group, uh, along with Gabe Lyons, wrote a book called Unchristian. I've talked about that book here before. And, and in that book, they presented findings about what an emerging generation thinks about Christianity. And here's what they discovered. Only 16% of non-Christians between the ages of 16 and 29 in their research had a positive opinion of Christianity. 16%. 87% of those that were surveyed said Christians were judgmental. 85% said were hypocritical. 78% said we're too involved in politics. 70% said we're insensitive to others. And 68% called us boring. So like Paul and Barnabas, we have some cultural barriers to sharing the good news. And like Paul and Barnabas, we are undeterred. Our mission is too important. We've been called to reach the people who think that Christians are gullible, ignorant, and weird. We are called to reach the people who have been burned by the church and those who have been broken and have no idea that God loves them. Our mission is too important. So for the next three weeks, we're going to share our strategy with you, what, what we want to do, three things that we want to do as a church that we're going to focus on among the leadership, and we also want to invite you to be a part of too, because if we all do this together, we know that God will do great things in and through us. I have just a, a little bit of time left, so let me give you a quick overview of what the three steps that we need to take if we want to reach the people that nobody else is reaching. The first one is this. We will go where the people are. If people think we're weird and out of touch, we cannot expect them just to come to us. When Jesus wanted to save the whole world, what did he do? 
He took on human form and he came and lived among us as a human being. He breathed our air. He felt what we feel. He came to us. Paul and Barnabas followed his lead. When they wanted to reach the Gentiles, they didn't sit back and, in Antioch and just wait for everybody to come to them. Instead, they went out to people living far off. They didn't wait. Paul had two more missionary journeys after this, and he also had a journey, a voyage to Rome as a prisoner, and God used all of those to reach people who nobody else was reaching. Now, we may not be called to go all over the ancient Roman world, but we are called to go out. So we're encouraging our entire staff to get uncomfortable and not to just hang out in the building, but to get out where people are and to go to community events and schools and anywhere that people are hanging out to serve the needs of our community and to embody the good news. Now, I've never worked with a church professional who does missional ministry like this quite like Katie Griffin does here at Highlands. And so I've asked Katie to come and bring God's word for you next week as we talk about this and as she encourages all of you to get involved in this work of going and being God's people out in the community. The second step for reaching the people that nobody else is reaching is this. We're going to invite people in. Eventually, when we meet people where they are and we share the good news of Jesus Christ through our actions and our love and our compassion and our grace, we're going to have the opportunity to invite people to experience God's love for themselves. And eventually, we're going to have the opportunity to share our stories of what God's doing in our life with them and to invite them to be a part of this community of imperfect people, worshiping a perfect God together. Paul gives us a great example of what happens when the good news arrives in a community. Acts 13.44, we read it earlier. It said, On the second Sabbath in Pisidian Antioch, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. You see, Paul had the most attractive message the world has ever known. The message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the hope of humanity. We have that same message here. And so we want to be missional and go out, and we also want to be attractional and bring people in. And so we're working with our staff, and we're saying, hey, we want to make sure that when, when people come to Highlands, they can have an authentic encounter with Jesus, and they can say, that was the best hour of my week, whether it's Sunday morning or children's or student ministry or, or whatever. We also want to encourage you that you have a role to play in inviting people to be a part of all this. And we'll talk about that in two weeks. Then finally, the third step for reaching the people that nobody else is reaching. It's this. We will become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Several weeks back, our staff went on to a conference. And when we came back, we took some time and evaluated, how are we doing at our mission statements? And we talked about the, the first part of the mission statement, which says, we will help de-church people. And we talked about the second half that said, become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we said on a scale of one to 10, we're probably doing a five or, or a six over here at, at reaching de-church people. So we have, we have room to grow. We came over here and let's just say our scores were a lot lower on how we were doing at becoming more fully devoted followers together. And so... We're committed to this, and we believe that if we do live out our mission 
together that we will all become, we will go deeper with God. And as we go deeper with God, we will reach wider into our community. So in this, at the end of this series and at the entire series that goes after this, it's going to talk about what does it mean to go deeper with God? And it may not be exactly what you think. And so I'm excited for us to do this together. But that's going to be in three weeks and then after that. So in the words of Jack Sparrow, we have our heading. We are called to reach the people that nobody else is reaching. In this new season of ministry, our focus remains the same. So won't you join us in this incredible calling to go where people are, to invite people in, and to go deeper with God? Let us pray. Lord, I'm so thankful for this day and for the 109 months that led to this day for us to be chartered as an official church. I pray that you would empower our members and not just those who are formal members, but those who, who call this place home to live out this ministry and this mission in our daily lives. Lord, we pray for those in our community who don't know your love. We ask that you would help us to embody your love through our actions and through our words and that the light that shines through us would be attractive so that others might come to saving faith in you. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.